WebmasterRadio.fm. Your web search is over. It's time to release your mouse, turn your speakers way up, and hang on to your hard drive. As the SEO rock stars, log on to rock the net right out of the stratosphere. Prepare to optimize your Tuesday evening jamming and spamming with the always highly ranked SEO rock stars. Guaranteed to be a night filled with great memory. A couple of live shows in a row. It's uh, April 18th, and uh, Oilman is sitting here with Mr. Greg Webb Gorilla Bozer. How you doing, my man? I'm not ready. I'm not ready. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm doing good. A little crazy around here. There's a little noise going on because uh, landlord's showing my office during my radio show. Oh, it's pretty that cool. nice. Yeah. That's it. If that's not corporate, I don't know what is. Yeah, that's great, isn't it? Hey, you're moving. Get out. So you closed the lease on the new place? I did. It's 10 feet away. It's actually right next door, and uh, the funny thing is we don't even have to change our address. We're just going to take the sign off my door. And move it over. Move it over and stick it on the new door. Perfect. So, from that standpoint, it's good. Of course, the construction guy came in. You know, we're doing a little changing things around a little bit. Yeah. So we had these couple of smaller offices, and I said, hey, I want to take this wall out so we can make it a bigger room and have the programmers in there, right? Yeah. Guy shows up the next day, cuts out the wrong wall. <laughs> it's like he's on crack or something. That's awesome. So now, if we hear banging, that's him putting back the wall he cut out. <laughs> it's on the other side of my wall in my office, my current office, so... Um, there's a good chance you're going to hear some construction noise today. Fantastic. Yeah. Awesome. But other than that, everything's great. Yeah, I, you know, I can't complain either. It's been crazy. I can't believe it's Tuesday again. We say this every week, but it's, I think it's just a factor of getting older. Life gets faster the older you get. Yeah, exactly. Speaking of which, yeah, uh, the dates were announced for the Webmaster World thing in Vegas. November 14th to 17th. That's like the week before my 40th birthday. Oh, dude, we're going to get stupid. So I'm feeling a big party coming on. <laughs> we are going to get stupid. I'll be so, great. So, Rockstar, listen, yeah, I'm going to talk to Darren about doing a, maybe a joint party or something. Oh, that'd be fantastic. That'd be a ton of fun. And if he's listening, that means I'll help pay for it. Well, speaking of uh, PubCons and so forth, PubCon 14 is live and in full swing as of right now. Yeah. And uh, although I'm a little curious, and this is probably going to come back to bite me, but how did he get to 14 when 10 was in Vegas in November? And a couple of them were only half pubcoms, right? There was a point five in there somewhere. Well, he had the little, little get-together at the Webmaster World offices in Austin. Oh, that counted as one? Well, we have to assume. No, well, there, well there was one in London that was a half. Remember? That was the that beginning was, of the end for us. But that was there. before Las Vegas, wasn't it? That was back in September. Yeah, that was when... Right, you know, so that, would have, that was like 
PubCon 9.5. This three-week coattail thing. Danny's over there right. doing a gig. Let's do one, too. Right. Yeah, and then, but then Vegas in this past November was number 10, and there's been nothing since, and now we're having 14. Uh, they, well, there was something... Oh, you're right. Yeah, well, whatever. All right, cool. So there's a little math discrepancy there. But I'm sure everyone's having a good time. And oh, on yeah. the SEO note, Shoe Money, who's kind of like our on-the-ground reporter now, he's got some breaking news. blog that Matt did indeed admit there about the MediaBot thing from last week. Now that everybody's talking about it. So... For those of you that listened last week, I, I mentioned how we caught several examples of the media bot actually indexing content for Google's main database, which, according to their website, that's not what it's supposed to do. So, and in the, I guess remember, Matt was in the chat room, and Matt said he needed to see examples of it because he didn't think that that was accurate, or something to that effect. So I, I put it on my blog actual examples. Now everybody's talking about it and, and talking about how Google's favoring and actually when I published it I, the whole thing of Google favoring advertisers and giving them extra I never crossed my mind. That really wasn't what I was concerned about. I was concerned about them you know, causing me duplicate content issues because I want Google to index it at one location and humans to see it at another. But that's not allowed. Well, I was thinking about that, and it should be allowed, and here's here's the thing. Regardless of why I was doing it, that's a whole different story. But, I mean, if you look at this scenario, and this is why I think it sucks that they do this kind of stuff without telling people ahead of time. Um, let's say you have a subdomain of a site forever, and that's where your content's been indexed by Google. Boss, and this kind of stuff happens all the time. You get a new domain for the specific product, or you want to start phasing company. Uh, people into a domain that's more marketable, whatever. There's a lot of reasons that come up where you have your content exists in one place, but you want humans to start viewing it. Or let's say we're going to gradually transition the subdomain to a different domain address. We want to go out and build links. We don't want duplicate content. So during that process, what I'm going to say is, Google, if you try to request a new domain, it no longer exists. It now exists here or it stays, you know, I'm going to 301 them back to the only place that I want them. Now I'm going to go build links for the new domain and get those in place, but not let Google index it because I don't want to have duplication. But if I'm an AdSense publisher and I'm running ads on the site, Google is now indexing it at that the new location, even though I've told it I didn't want to because they didn't tell me that they're now using the media partner bot to crawl. So this is exactly what happened to a client. 20, 30,000 pages get, got duplicated because we weren't told ahead of time that the media bot is now an indexing spider. And you'd think that that would be a fairly easy uh, fix, and though. I mean, the reason, the re like, is Shoe Money posted that what Matt gave as a reason, it was sort of a bandwidth, you know, cost-saving efficiency deal where both bots could now be used indexing content, but you would think that there would be a fallback position for the media bot. So that, you know, if it runs into a situation like that where it says, you know, look, the regular bot's not allowed to go here, 
So there's probably a reason for that. And there's like you just described a perfectly valid reason for that. So MediaBot should not be used in that instance. MediaBot yeah, could, could go serve double duty for you know ninety percent of the web otherwise. Well, you know, think about what you you know trying to explain to a client how it is you just took fifty thousand pages and threw them all in the supplemental index form. Yeah. Oops. That's cool. That's really cool. <laughs> all because they couldn't, you know, Matt couldn't post. I don't know, I'm picking on Matt specifically, but he is the voice of Google. He clearly could have come out and said, you know what, when this big daddy rollout, one of the one of the things I can tell you about is that we're more efficient with our bots, and regardless of the name of the bot, they all have the ability to dump stuff in the bucket. And wh- whoever grabs it and throws it in the bucket, that's what we're going to use to index, and that's what your rankings are. Here's the other thing, too. So in the situation of my own site, it changes traffic because now I gave MediaBot content. I didn't alter the content, same article, same post. I just trimmed it down to try to experiment between that and the section targeting thing, right? Right. I know Google gives you a little tag. You can target section, but I'm like, let's see how good we can get with just the body of the post. No comments, no nothing. So now that that has become index content, my title tags are gone. <laughs> my page headers are gone. All the stuff that contributed to how well that page ranked have now vanished because I didn't include them for MediaBot because there was no reason to, <laughs> according to their website, <laughs> because its job is only supposed to come and check the theme of the page and then determine what ad should go on that page. So there you have it. There you have it. Enough, uh, but at least we all know now... Um, not that that really helps. Yeah, and that was the big, you know, hubbub of the week. So, you know what the other hubbub of the week was? And this is really sad, but Brad Pitt, remember Sexiest Man Alive? Now he's on the top ugly list? He's number 99, or number 100 on the top 100 unsexiest list that the Boston Globe or something put out. Yeah, I actually caught Regis Philbin talking about that this morning. Apparently, I it's on for the plumbers to fix my pipes. It's it's on rumors of of bad personal hygiene. Yeah, here he stinks. <laughs> yeah, him and what he hangs out in thing. Africa with you know. <laughs> Sorry, but but you got to hand it to Gilbert Gottfried. He took number one. Well, yeah, he should. <laughs> I mean, seriously, they're the most annoying voice on the face of the planet. <laughs> I think so. Well, I'll tell you what, before we get completely distracted down a com- completely non-relevant SEO... No, we're all path, about relevance today. We're all about relevance. So let's take a break, do a little housekeeping, pay some bills, and when we come back, we'll dive into the so-you-run-your-own-little-SEO-biz, how-to-find-clients-and-all-that-stuff uh, extravaganza. Stick around. SEO Rockstars. We'll be back after this short break. Once a tool 
tools used exclusively for communicating with the media. PR Web was the first company to develop a distribution strategy around direct-to-consumer communication by implementing Web 2.0 technologies. PR Web has completed the online communication loop by directly engaging your audience with your news. For example, PR Web is the first newswire to integrate press release trackback. Whether you want to dominate your market or just make a little noise, PR Web is here to help you thrive in the marketplace and the media. PR Web. Increase your organization's bottom line with unique, highly effective, permission-based email solutions from Exact Target now. Discover why more than 4,000 organizations worldwide rely on Exact Target's on-demand software for strengthening customer relationships and controlling email throughout their enterprise. Get superior technology and support for bottom line business impact with Exact Target. Visit www.exacttarget.com today. You're brilliant Brilliant. at creating innovative ideas, Ideas. building brand value, and increasing customer loyalty. But when it comes to measuring, testing, and optimizing every online interaction, you need help. In the fast-changing new world of marketing, the web is where it's happening. happening. That's why a powerful online marketing performance management solution is the next major evolution for web trends and for you. Web trends. Web Trends Marketing Lab. You bring the art, we'll deliver the science. Learn more now at webtrends.com. I am jealous. I'm officially jealous. Brandy has a fabulous theme song. I love it. There are no good songs about Susan that I'm aware of. Susan, looks like I'm losing. I'm losing my mind. I'm wasting my time. I have one of those weather widgets. It's had little raindrops on it for I don't even know how many days, right? I've gone to Fiji. I've gone to Washington, D.C. to see the cherry blossoms. I've gone to Fort Lauderdale. And every time I come back, my little widget has raindrops on it. Break it down. Break it down. That reminds me of Shrek. I love Shrek. I know you watch Shrek because you got some girls, right? They love that. What are you going to do when your girls are starting to do the stupid shit that you did when you were a kid? I have so many things to ask you. Um, (laughs) (laughs) The Susan song. I'm so excited. That's true love, isn't it? Ad Tech Connect. Thursday, following the Daily Search Cast. Only on Webmaster Radio.fm. Commercials off. Now back to SEO Rockstars. Let's rock. Here's your host. And we are back. We're about ready to launch into our So You Run an SEO Business. What are you doing? Or you'd like to. 
or you'd or like you're thinking to. thinking about it. You're thinking about it. You've heard that, you know, somebody's making some sick money. You want to get in on the cash. we got a few tips up our sleeve here that uh, may help you um, learn from our pain over the years. <laughs> and speaking of yours, just real quickly, because it kind of puts it all in perspective. I don't know if you saw yesterday, Danny uh, posted about his 10-year anniversary from the day that he published his first search content on the web. Ten that? years. That is and that it was is an amazing, fantastic. It was an amazing post because he recapped many of the major stories for the whole ten years that he wrote about it. And it made me feel really old. <laughs> because I, I, like it was yesterday, I remember the day uh, just about this time. It was shortly after he published that, you know, first piece. And I was stumbling across that just going, wow, this could be a business. I wonder <laughs> if I could, you know, do this and make a living at it. And so a lot of these things that we're going to talk about came about, you know, because of things of trial and error that I did over those that 10-year period, and how many totally stupid things I did, major mistakes. So fast-forwarding, trying to come into this business now, 10 years later, as the solo consultant or the small little shop, uh, it's a lot tougher than it was. Number one, just because of pure numbers, right? Totally. I mean, it used to be that there was... You know, this was the business. There was no barrier to entry. You know, it was just easy. You know, it was the same like getting started in the affiliate business way back, you know, when I first jumped right. into that. There was, you know, you went to Yahoo, searched for Fenermine. There was only 12 websites. 12. Well, you know, yeah, in the, in the summer of 96, there was probably, obviously there was more, but it really felt like there was 20 people who read Danny's thing. We all sent him 10 bucks or whatever it was. <laughs> Fund the you know and Eric Ward was the first guy to fund the future of Search Engine Watch, <laughs> and you know that was it. There was all those potential keywords and companies and projects and really just uh, literally you could fit you know less than a hundred people probably that even knew what SEO meant or what it might mean in the down in the future. So it was a lot easier to get established um, and go out and start squeaking out a living than it is today. Today, it's really all about in-house. Everything's moving dramatically in that direction. And more and more companies providing training for in-house people. And so the agencies that are still out there are having to fight harder because the companies that want to hire them, their attitude is, you may not produce for me, so if I'm going to spend the money, I'd rather do it in my own company where I can oversee the people. Where I can easily fire them and yell at them and Right, where I can hold them accountable, and, and if I'm going to invest this money, I'd rather invest it building something in-house because I'm not 100% confident that you're really going to do what you say. And unfortunately, that is a big thing that we fight in this business, especially those of us that are still pretty small. And I think that it's going to be imperative over the next few months, years, that the small guy gets into performance-based stuff. I really think that's the only way you compete in that space being able to differentiate yourself by saying, hey, I'll put my money where my money and my time where my mouth is. And in that situation, it becomes easy to convince a company that's thinking about taking stuff in-house to give you a shot. It's not as easy to say, hey, pay me this money up front and things will be good, but they might not. Well, the other side of competing against the in-house, too, is that when when you're pitching to somebody, you're saying, look, I'm going to charge you $5,000 a month, let's say, $60,000 a year, and they know that you're not, they're not getting you 40 hours a week, Monday to Friday, sitting at the desk working on their, on their website. Right. 
And so it's, it, it, it feels more cost-effective to them to say, look, I can bring somebody in-house for sixty or $70,000 and, you know, have, have way more time in production. And then, then you're over their shoulder every hour, make sure they're really, you know, doing stuff. Right. And, and then you're fighting the, well, that's, that's all well and good, but, you know, we're putting ourselves out there as, as experts, basically saying we're worth far more than what you can get for $60,000 a year. If you want me 40 hours a week, it's going to cost you unbelievable amounts of money. Oh, yeah. Way more <laughs> than they'll pay. So that that's part of the battle as well. Is And, and, and the, I found the most effective way to, to combat that, you know, at all was, was getting involved in the community, getting well-known on, on Webmaster World and, you know, the and search engine forums before that, speaking at the conferences, all that kind of stuff. Uh, that's, that's gold. People go, man, the guy's up there talking about this stuff. He must be good. And that, that goes a long way to defeating that. Well, and it does, it does a couple things, too. Is number one is it gets you out of, you know, name recognition is a, is a good thing. But specifically from a speaking circuit or, you know, blogging or doing something where people are reading, what happens is is it allows you to attract clients that are beyond that educational point. But see, when I started, I had to go out and teach people what search was and convince them it was a good idea because nobody knew. I mean, it was like cold calling. Even if the person called you for something else, it was like, hey, can you help me build a website? And then it turned into this big song and dance, you know, with the, my spreadsheets and whatever facts I could scrape up. And here's what I did for the guy before you. Even though he didn't pay me, I had to pay him. Let me do it, you know, those kind of things. And that's, I think, people coming into it now are somewhat lazy in that standpoint. They want Sempo to hand them all the documents and do all the work for them. Um, but the nice thing about the name recognition is it kind of gets you past that. So when somebody calls me, I don't have to explain to them what search is. They've probably heard me talk about it or they've been to a show or they, you know, read something on my blog. So they're at a better level of education, which really speeds up my process as far as selecting who I want to take on and who I don't. So that's that's definitely critical. Which And that leads really into one of the, the first points that we were going to discuss today is, is how do you filter your clients? So you're out there, and you're, you're starting to get some, some inquiry, getting a little bit known. You're knocking on doors. You've got some people asking for proposals. You don't want to just take every single one of them on. No. And, and you know, like you say, we're in a position where, you know, we're getting inquiries from people that, that have got some, you know, some knowledge, know what they're talking about a little bit, whatever. You want to, those are the people you want to work with. You want to right. filter those out from, you know, and, and part of it, too, is, is really a, the, one of the best filters is, is the dollar figure. Well, you just keep turning. Well, here, here's what I did when I hit that point. I, you know, there was such a large volume, and some turned out to be good clients, and some you kind of wish you never took. And, and so I just started raising my prices until nobody called me anymore. <laughs> then I backed them down a notch until, in other words, you'd get 20 phone calls, and I just raised the prices up to where all those 20 people told me to go to hell, pretty much. <laughs> and then just, you know, kind of peeled it back until you found the proper ratio between inquiries and the amount of work that you may actually want to do. 
and you could adjust that rate. So if, if you felt like growing and adding people and you wanted 20, 30 clients at a time, you could drop the weight a little more and, and a larger percentage of the inquiries would become then become clients. Crank it back up and you you narrow it down. And it becomes a little and, it, and you, you kind of find where, you know, your worth is on the and what people expect. And the worst thing you can do, especially if you're out doing speaking stuff or you know, this business definitely has a totem pole. And where you're at on that totem pole dictates large there's there's a lot of brilliant, brilliant people in this business that do incredible work for money that I would never even consider. So the, what you pay isn't really relative to knowledge and what somebody may do for you. Uh, true. That, that's absolutely true. And the, and the totem pole thing is, is entirely accurate. And I, I just think back to when I still took on, on my own clients and had my own little thing going. And, you know, and I'd talk to somebody at you know, a conference and... And they'd go, yeah. I was just talking with Greg Bozer, and be like, okay, we're done. <laughs> you know, it's it was it was one of those situations where I said, you know, I'm just not even. I mean, for a couple reasons. One, I, I honestly at that time didn't believe I deserved to to beat you out for a contract, and and two, I wouldn't do that within you know the the circle. But it was, but that but that totem pole is definitely there as far as you know. When I find out that you know people have been talking to certain other people. I have to make a decision whether or not I want to try and compete for that business because that's what it's going to become at that point. Right, and then there, and then what happens is so the other key too is if you're new and you're getting into it is you know you do you don't you don't need to kiss ass by any stretch. It's not a it's not a we pay homage to the guys that have been around a long time. Because what you do need to do is find those like for me personally, I knew that Danny was going to be a big deal in this business. So I really did kind of stalk him from the sense that I found out what email list he subscribed to, and I, I just subscribed to him and contributed to him and, and just put myself in a position to where hopefully he would notice what I was writing or, you know, and just kind of maybe learn my name because I knew that he was going to be the Dalai Lama of this industry at some point, or at least I felt that. And over time... You know, I didn't write him like I didn't stop him writing letters like I'm your biggest fan, and you know. But I did. I was aware, and it was somewhat calculated as far as where he was and, and where he was going, and, and trying to get into that circle somewhat. And once that happened, you know, Danny got really big, and Danny used to do consulting, and even in the past had a gig where we did joint consulting with somebody. But when he got to the point where he couldn't do any more consulting because he's too busy writing, doing stuff. Now he starts referring stuff out to his circle of friends, people that he knows and trusts that know what they're doing. And that's where the whole pro the trickle-down process starts working. So now all of a sudden, you know, I can remember the first time I ever got a referral from Danny. And it was like, oh, my God, I don't have to do anything. I'm hired. You know what I mean? Because Danny's reputation was so good that if Danny said, call this guy, you know, here's my short list, that... Bam! You got the job. Very scary thing. That was like kind of you really first got over that hump of having to educate and beg. I mean, just cut that whole process out. Um, and it's and, and you know I do the same thing. I have a lot of people that I just you know, especially especially the young guys. I I'm one of those guys. That I love seeing the young smart guys come up. Um, Stunt doubles one of the guys at the top of my list. I mean he. I remember when where he started at Webmaster World and where he's gone, and he's very, very sharp. I call him a kid. 
be 40 this year. So <laughs> it's all relative. <laughs> it's all relative. Um, but just watching how he grew and got to the point where he is, and his name is well known, and he's certainly somebody that anytime uh, somebody says to me, you know, I, I'm too busy or whatever, he's definitely one of the people on my list, and I'd say, here's the guy, you know, because I get that a lot. Well, who would you hire? It's like, well, if I could understand what he'd say, I'd hire Dave Naylor. <laughs> <laughs> there's a language barrier there, you know. Here's here's my other here's my other list of people. So that networking part is extremely extremely important, and the 3D world is something in this business that is incredible. And you know, I remember when I first showed up at Webmaster World, none of you guys had really got out much. No, it was a very it, it was a very Webmaster World was was like this humongous pool of uh, knowledge and talent. That lived in. They hated the world. And and I like and it's when you think back to those first those initial days, and it was really hate the world. It was it was very anti search engine watch in, in Danny Sullivan. Oh, for some, I, for some I bizarre reason. Totally amazed that so many people sitting in their bedrooms who've never met, you know, listening to people write things about people I knew personally and how different it was, and and even from the same point of people that I didn't like online that I got to meet in person and dramatically changed my opinion of them once we were both in the 3D world, you know, that was, so that became a major thing to me, it's like, hey, that networking thing is important, get out, meet people face to face, um, and get to know them, and that helps a lot, you gotta, you gotta do it, it's definitely worth the time, whether you're, whether you're going to pub cons or, you know, ad tech, it doesn't matter, you need to go out and be where the people are, that uh, other people ask their opinions of who to talk to. Yeah, and buy buy beer. <laughs> I mean, it, it's I'm, buy I'm, beer. I'm joking a little bit there, but I mean, how many times have we heard you talk about how much booze Aaron Wall buys you at a conference? And love that guy. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> That's why I loved him when I first met him. He was just like my drink buddy. <laughs> And he turned but out to be a really smart guy, and you know, it all it all worked out. Right. But uh, as a little aside, you mentioned the ad tech. That just reminded me of something. Uh, ad tech is either this week or next, or it's that ad tech San Francisco is coming up here real quick. And um, I don't know if this is a commentary on on where the marketing industry is going, but there's this company that's throwing an invitation only party at ad tech. It's a girls gone wild party. Really? Yeah, like sponsored with girls gone wild. Wow. So. Probably best that I'm not going to add tech, but, you know. Sure, well, I'm definitely not going now because my wife's probably <laughs> listening to the broadcast. <laughs> so, no, I couldn't go anyway, but, wow, that's pretty clever. That would be a lot of people. That is. But, uh, anyways, what's uh, what's next? So we've talked a little bit about, you know, how to just sort of get out there, get known, meet the right people. You know, that's a lot of the basic positioning stuff. Then it gets into... Um, and the two key areas, like we talked about, the, we're going to get to the performance thing specifics, but uh, I touched on a little bit last week about the contracts and how you structure. Now, now you've met some people, you're getting clients, and now you need to fast forward and learn a few things about areas of a, a traditional consulting contract that can cause you great grief and a lot of money. Now, I will do the normal disclaimer. I'm not an attorney. I've spent a lot of monies with attorneys. And I've made mistakes. So these, these, anything I tell you, you definitely want to sit down with an attorney and talk to them about. But 
these five, I, I basically came up with five elements of my contract that, um, you know, the non-negotiable things and how what makes my contract different than most other SEOs or most other consulting firms. Um, the first one is called indemnification, right? And that's the clause in the contract where you basically agree to sell your firstborn child in order to defend your client in the event that any legal problems crop up during your relationship. And typically, indemnification clauses are very one-sided. They're only for the client, and they pretty much cover the whole entire spectrum of any possible situation. So one of the things when I you know, first started doing uh, contract work with agencies, you know, I sat down with an attorney, and, and one of the first things we talked about was like, you know, indemnification can be two ways. It can be a two-way street. You can make the client agree to protect you as well. And in, when you're dealing with third-party situations, it becomes very important. So as, a, as an example, let's say you're doing contract work for an agency, and the agency has the Fortune 500 client, and you're coming in. Sometimes the client knows you exist, and sometimes they don't. And your contract is with the agency. So I'm making commitments and promises to them, and then somebody at that agency is turning around and making possibly a separate set of commitments and stuff to the actual client. So let's say the agency does something, client gets torched, gets pissed, finds out that the consultant involved sues you both, right? Right. Truly can't happen. If your indemnification clause isn't mutual, then you're screwed, and you have no control over what that agency did or did not say to that client. So you could easily end up in a situation where you're having to defend yourself against a big corporate monstrosity because they don't feel like they got their money's worth for their SEO. And a lot of times what it turns out is the agency's off making promises that you would have never made in a million years. Oh, so, so the key is <laughs> you've got to have a clause that says, hey, I'll agree to protect you, but vice versa. You've got to do the same thing for me. And also you want to restrict that clause to where it just covers basic negligent acts, errors, and omissions, the kind of thing your insurance would cover. So if you get liability or errors and emissions insurance, they'll tell you the kind of things that are covered. You don't want it to be so broad that they can just force you to pay for... So that one's very important because that stuff does come up. Um, the next one would be agreement termination, stipulating how and under what circumstances this contract that you sign with the client can be terminated. Most contracts stock ones, because what happens is we all start out and go out to NOLO Press or wherever and we get a stock, because you can't afford an attorney, right? So you go get a, they're all over the web, stock consulting agreement. Most of those agreements say that either party can cancel in 10 days with a written notice. Well, good. Um, now, that can be good for you, but when there's a limited amount of clients that you can take, you'll find at some point in your career that during the course of after you've signed a contract with somebody, you'll have somebody else come along that maybe offer you more money, but you just can't handle them because you made this six-month commitment. And so part of it's for protection of the client as well because it can be very easy to be in a situation where you say, oh, you know, I'm the one doing the 10-day writing thing and canceling it. Um, but in the bigger picture... There's no real incentive. You're going to get a better quality client if they understand that the only way that they're not liable to pay the, term, the full amount of this contract is if 
I have I seriously breach it, and it's something I can't remedy in 14 days. In other words, they have to give me notice and say, hey, we think you're breaching the contract, and we want out. You've got 14 days to fix it. Um, and if they cancel or quit or anything else happens during that time, they still owe, owe the money. I still owe the work. They still owe the money. That helps. Uh, it's a, that clause will help weed out a lot of people that may say they want you for six months. What they really want to do is suck your brain for a couple weeks and then put the project on hold and go go off. In the meantime, you potentially passed on, on other work. So it's kind of a mutual protection thing, but when you get those clients that will really commit to the term of the contract, much better uh, working arrangement. Uh, next one, intellectual property rights. Um, this one's a pet peeve of mine, and, and I had a situation one time where we were doing SEO for a client, and and we had developed kind of a custom IP delivery application. And through the course of this arrangement, we took our software and installed it onto their system and allowed them to use it. Um, with a lot of contracts, that company can own the rights to that software and turn around and market it. And that's exactly kind of what happened. This client thought it was so neat that they started turn around and started packaging the software up and selling it to their friends. And under the idea that, hey, you're, you're work for hire. I hired you to write whatever you create during the term of this contract, I own. Okay? Lesson learned, I don't do that. I am not a work for hire kind of guy. Anything that we create, you know, if I create a document, a, a best standards document for your staff or any kind of training material or any kind of, I do not relinquish the copyright to that material. I own it and I will give you a non-revocable license to use it beyond the term of the contract for free in the manner it was originally developed. And anything beyond that, you have to ask me permission to distribute it or share it with anybody or those kind of things. Um, same thing, if a client comes up to me and says, hey, we're developing this secret SEO application, we want to pay you as a consultant to help us with it. Well, one of two things are going to happen. Number one, either I'm going to say no, or they're going to agree to put my name on any patents or anything else that come out of it. Right. So if they're not willing to share the intellectual pro I'm not willing to contribute my knowledge of business to make their product better, because I don't ever want to be in a situation where they own something that I potentially can no longer use for other clients. So my contract is completely opposite. Pretty much my contracts say the client agrees to sign all intellectual rights to anything we create over to us. And we'll pay for, you know, uh, getting securing those rights, but they basically, unless there's a separate agreement, um, they're not going to get my work for hire. And that one can be... And I, I personally think... That's probably where most SEOs cheat themselves on their value is the idea that, you know, I'm going to crack this stuff out and you own it and, you know, you can do whatever you want with it. That's absolutely a huge thing. I mean, I, mean, I never ran into that. I don't have programmers, which was kind of, kind of nice to not have to do that. But there's, I mean, you just go digging through um, all those, you know, these different websites that have chronicled our industry, and there's just lawsuit after lawsuit out there of of you know, addressing this sort of thing. Well, I mean, you know, you get people in... The other thing that happens a lot is 
I get other con SEO consultants that want to hire me. So they can turn around and teach what I teach to their clients. I'm not a big fan of that. You know. So that's the other reason why you want to kind of put those kind of restrictions in place. Um, the other thing, too, is confidentiality. All contracts have that clause in it. That needs to be mutual, just like the identification. You're going to tell your client over the course of the relationship a lot of stuff about you, how your business works, the industry as a whole, competitive advantages you may have. A lot of it is because you're trying to convince them that you're the greatest thing since sliced bread. There's a lot of stuff that, even if you don't stop and think about it, it can come out in a six-month, 12-month relationship that you don't want them turning around and spouting off to other people. So just in the same way that you agree to keep everything they say confidential and not talk about it if it's not public knowledge, they need to do the same for you. So throw that in the closet. Uh, and the, the last real big one is resolving disputes. You've got to make sure that that happens in your jurisdiction. Um, I killed a huge deal with WebMD one time because they would not, we couldn't come to agreement on this term. I'm a little tiny guy. If there's a, a disagreement, I am not going to agree to go to New York to fight big Fortune 500 company with their team of lawyers in the state of New York with their rules. They're going to have to get on a plane and come to little old Southern California where I can utilize my attorneys that I've worked with forever who know the laws of the state. And I would say that that is definitely something you should be willing to kill a deal over. It's home field advantage. Home field advantage. Um, I'm always the home team. And it's just totally non-negotiable. Um, and then, you know, because it can cost you so much money. They can literally bury you. And they will, you know, that, and then I, I've never had a legal dispute crop up, but there's always situations where, and especially when these other things come into play, confidentiality, oh, they think you linked something. No, I didn't. Okay, well, now we're going to sue you. We're going to sue you in the state of New York. Um, the costs get run up really, really quick. The other thing, too, is you can add uh, clauses to that section that talk about, you know, arbitration, mediation before actually going to real court, and that can cut costs quite a bit, too. At the end of the day, what it boils down to, in, in a lot of respects, is, is it's your business, it's your contract. To to a certain extent, you can really put whatever you want in there, but you you want to be smart about it, and you want to make sure that you are you know putting in stuff that is really valuable and is going to protect you from any sorts of, of backlash or or legal liabilities. You know, if if Google delists their site for some reason that is had nothing to do with you, you don't want to have somebody coming back on you for all their all their fees they paid you over six months or something like that because exactly it had nothing to do with you. And you know another another one that kind of ties in all this too is the non compete thing. It gets thrown out there a lot, and what what a lot of people like to do, especially the bloodthirsty attorneys for the bigger companies, when they take your contract and chop it all up, they like to add terms onto it of six to twelve months after the contract's expired. Yeah. So for me personally, I never compete with myself. So if you hire me during that term of engagement, I always have a thing that says we will not even speak to another company in your space during the term of this contract. If you want that to extend beyond our working relationship, you need to pay a lot more money. 
We have signed those deals, but there's probably going to be a good 50% increase in the term of the contract if you want me to sit around and turn away a competitor after you've chosen to no longer work with me. Don't ever let them, because you believe some of the deals that you could miss out on when they decide they don't want you anymore, and now all of a sudden somebody else in that space says, hey, I'll pay you double. I saw what you did for them. They're doing great. What is it, you know? But isn't the non-compete essentially kind of unenforceable, or is there a difference between a non-compete in this situation versus a non-compete in, hey, I worked for this agency, and now I'm going to work for this other agency? Well, here in the state of California, general non-competes are fairly hard to enforce, and they're typically restricted geographically, or they have to have a reasonable time limit on it. So, but a six-month one, that might actually hold up. But even if it doesn't, the point being is it opens you up for potential because whether or not you'll win... It's going to cost you. It's still going to cost you, especially if you miss those other points that we talked about earlier, like the jurisdiction. So if you think about that, you decide, hey, you get this great offer, but you sign a thing saying you won't compete. You don't think it's a similar thing, but they do. It's two months after the contract's expired, and now they come after you. Oops, you forgot to stipulate where this is going to be fought and that it needs to be mediation. You know, if you have mediation, you go before a mediator, that guy makes a decision, and it's over and done with. It doesn't cost anybody much of anything. But if you didn't have those other things in place, that's an area where you could get totally tripped up. Well, and, and, and as an aside to that, keep your eyes open, any of you up-and-comers out there that uh, think about accepting a job at iProspect. <laughs> With, with the you can't ever work on a computer again in your life, no compete clause. Right, right, right. Yeah, and, and that's the thing. You just strike those out from the get-go. But the other thing that these things, because another thing, too, is like when I start this process, I'm really up front with clients that my contract is a little different than what they're probably used to. And I'll tell them up front, here are the, here are the points in my contract that are not negotiable, and you can send them to your attorney all you want. He can slash them up and make them dripping with red blood all they want, and I'm not going to change. So if it comes back like that, we're not going to have a deal. And that's just how I choose to work. And a lot of times what that does is the conversations about those points ahead of time create a better working relationship because you have more time to discuss, you know, your approach and your philosophies on the project. And I've never had a problem after the fact when people do sign the contract as far as working with them after that point. Well, and, and you'd be quite often surprised that you'll get some grudging respect out of holding your ground at this point because that, that that's going to speak to, I mean, it's one thing to get the deal. But it's another thing to go into the company and then all of a sudden you're talking to their marketing people who are telling you you can't do this, that, or the other thing. So yeah, if, if you can't stand up on the front end to say, look, this is my contract, this is how I work, you know, what are the odds you're going to be able to stand up for what you really know needs to be done to that website to make sure that you get the recognition and the results that you've promised them? Well, yeah, and it's funny how the reaction on some of these large companies where I've said thanks but no thanks. I mean, they a, a lot of times and they come into these relationships with the smaller agencies and the smaller companies. Like, you would get down and grovel at our feet because anybody in the world would love to have us on their resume because we're the shit, right? We're the big player. 
<laughs> and the minute you spin that around and say, you know what, you're just one of many, and I don't need you. And if you don't want to work under my terms, I don't, I don't care who you are. I just won't do it. Your money is just as good as the next guy's. So, yeah, the, the, as long as the check clears, the phone will still ring tomorrow. And then once you kind of pop that bubble to them, all of a sudden, now they're seems like, wow, do we really want this guy? We do. Okay, so, you know, even in some, most of the time, the lawyers that slaughter the contract will put everything back and send it back. And then everything kind of to be on a little more even ground. You've kind of equalized the situation a little bit because... Uh, they have a little more respect for you, and they they realize that you're not going to beg and grovel for their business. Changes things a bit. Well, and it's and it's interesting. You don't need to beg and grovel out there. I mean, we we did talk about how the it's just exploded, and it's gone from 20 guys that knew what they were talking about to hundreds and thousands of SEOs out there that know what they're talking about. But at the same time, the demand for it has grown as well, and it's pretty easy to see that if you head over to you know, monster.com and just look at the job posting. Look at how many agencies and companies out there are looking for in-house SEO in, you know, or agency you know, SEOs, PPC analysts, you know, the whole nine yards. There's not enough people to go around. So the ball's in our court as the SEOs to really be able to dictate our terms a little bit more strongly because there's just not a whole bunch of them out there. These guys that are coming to you don't necessarily have a list of people that they're going to approach. Right, and if they approach you directly, and that's the other thing, too, because yeah, I don't do any traditional marketing, so I don't ever solicit potential clients. Just They come my direction. So when that happens, uh, they're coming to you for a reason, regardless of what level you're at, right? It could just be somebody from your local chamber of commerce, they talk to the last person in your little town that you did great work for. It doesn't, doesn't really matter where you are on that totem pole. The process is still the same. When people are coming to you based on referrals, they've kind of already made up their mind they really want you. Well, they've definitely narrowed you down to, you know, a handful of people. And, and that's, that's a key point to remember. If, if the unsolicited phone call, that's the short list. Right. Guaranteed every time. And never, ever respond to a request for a proposal. Unless you work at an agency. Then we do that all day long. <laughs> I, I, I hate I just like, you got to be kidding me. I don't do RFPs. Thanks. Uh, so before we, uh, before we totally start beating on, on agency life, because that's now my life, let's take, uh, we, we wanted to touch a little bit uh, on how to set up, how to properly set up performance-related uh, deals. And this hour is just blazing past. So let's take a quick commercial break. We'll come back, and we'll see if we can't get in some good information on performance-based deals. Stick around. SEO Rockstars. We'll be back after this short break. All-new version 6. Prepare to segment your visitors and build custom reports on the fly with the most comprehensive and intuitive web analytics programs on the planet. 
Dan Noyes, president of Zephoria.com, writes, Click Tracks is like a religion to us. We rarely consult our clients on site or campaign changes without first seeing what Click Tracks reveals. Sign up for your free trial today. Your only risk, you may end up in our next commercial. ClickTracks.com, turning your future into a fortune. Over 4,000 clients around the world are utilizing effective content-based solutions from InfoSearch Media with the expertise of over 200 professional copywriters to work for you. Studies show that the number one factor visitors consider before making a purchase online is trust. And nothing creates more trust and loyalty than well-written, informative content. High-quality content also generates free search engine traffic. Content is definitely king. Visit InfoSearchMedia.com today. A rose by any other name would still be the same. Move over, Shakespeare. You need to differentiate yourself from your competition. Do it by aligning yourself with a company who has earned the trust of Jupiter Media, the NHL, and Lionsgate Films, among others. Moniker.com is the most secure ICANN-accredited register on the planet, offering you domain registration, hosting, domain sales, and acquisition services. Wrap that up with 24-7 support. That's your winning combination. M-O-N-I-K-E-R. Com. More than a name. Playing the fastest game in town. Welcome to the Daily Search Cast. The chat room's like, you didn't sing out of LA. Because I just think it's blue. Don't you know the tune? <laughs> I love LA. Alright. I love LA. You know that song. Oh, come on. I didn't even get no respect. All right. The Daily Searchcast with Danny Sullivan. Tuesday through Friday mornings at 1130 a.m. Eastern. Only on Webmaster Radio. Commercials off. Now back to SEO Rockstars. Let's rock. Here's your host. And we are back into the final stretch of the So You Want to Be an SEO Extravaganza show. The final stretch that might be an extended version of the show. Well, if we, uh, I, I'm thinking we might have to bring this back and finish up next week. But we wanted to, we wanted to cover off performance deals. I mean, we talked, we touched on it earlier in the show that really performance deals are starting to be the way to go. Yep. And especially for the new guy. Especially for the new guy, because it, it, it's no risk. It, it's like an affiliate deal. It's an exclusive affiliate deal with you it's and the client. Going to give you a. a Unique proposition to get the job over somebody else, especially if you're competing with more uh, well-known agencies that don't necessarily mean that they do good work, but they have a name. Um, the biggest thing is, and this ties into just doing regular consulting work, there's just a ton of data that you have to collect and analyze before you can even begin to tell a client 
what's the proper thing for them to do in their space. And the difference between the good consultants and the hack shops is that good consultants don't cookie cut stuff. And it takes a lot of time to collect all that data. Their link analysis, how old the site is, you know, what's the average age of sites in their space, what's the search popularity for their terms, where do they rank for those terms, all that kind of stuff. Now, in a normal consulting environment where you're getting paid up front, I don't do that work until I'm getting paid. That's what I'm getting paid to do. I don't do all that work to give somebody a proposal because that is the core of what I do is develop a strategy for somebody, right? And it's it can be hours and hours worth of work to do it properly. The difference in a, a rev share deal is you've got to do that up work up front for free to evaluate whether or not it's going to be a good decision for you to take this on on a performance phase. So you go through that process, you do all the numbers, and you say, hey, I think I can do really well with this, and I'm willing to invest the time up front free of charge to make more down the road. Pitch that to the client. And uh, that's where the whole process starts. The biggest key thing is you always got to base your your pay off of gross. Never, ever do a deal where your pay is based on net revenues. You have no control over that. It's very easy to for, some, for companies to make a lot of money and everybody gets paid really well, but there's no net left over at the end of the day. Right. You have shipping costs, product costs. You know, you know, you have what you salaries into that. partners. Partners can take their money in salaries and drain the net profit and leave nothing at the end of the year to be dispersed, all those kind of things. So whether you're doing it on a per sale or a per lead or whatever, it's, it's got to be off the gross. Um, that's the key number one. The next thing is you've got to be reasonable about how much you ask for. It needs to be somewhat relative to what your rate is normally. Right? So you can't sit there and go, you know, I've actually seen things like this. It's like, wow, this guy has no traffic. His site's great. The only problem is somebody put a robot's text file on his site, and he's just not indexed, and he's clueless. He doesn't know. <laughs> you can't get in a situation where you sign a, a lifelong deal with somebody, take the robot's text file, and make a hundred grand a month for the rest of the, you know what I mean? It's almost like just bad karma. It's bad karma else. is going to create a bad situation. <laughs> so typically the formula I look at is I, I figure out whatever my normal rate would be, and... My goal is, on a rev share thing, I want to be hitting those numbers within, you know, 60 days, give or take. 60 to 90 days. If I'm willing to invest that amount of time, if I can get on a peer performance base to the point where I'd be getting paid on a consulting base relative to that time frame, then everything beyond that is gravy, okay? So, and that dictates the numbers that are the percentage I would need to take, and that would be totally different on each project, depending on the margins and all that kind of stuff. So the idea being is I can then get a gauge of how much time and effort it's going to take and cost, in my standpoint, what point I need to get to where it's producing positive income, and from there I can project where I might be down the road. So the next thing about that is you need to have a longer contract because you're making the lion's share of your money in the back end. I was just going to say that the key to this is sustainability. You can't do rev share on a six to twelve month thing. You're looking at more two to three years minimum on the deal. Um, so the idea being is, yeah, it might take me three months to get to where I'm making just what I would make taking this guy up front. But from that point on, will it grow past that? Can I grow past that to where at the end I will have made far more money over that two year period than I would have filling that same time with traditional consulting. 
And it's real important that you're upfront with the client. Let them know in the very beginning. Be honest about the fact that SEO is a front-loaded thing. Don't go through the thing where you're going to say, hey, we're going to spend all this time maintaining your listings. That it just isn't how it works. You do a lot of work up front. If you do it properly, everything gets ranked, becomes pretty stable. And through the back end of the contract, you're not really doing squat except cashing the check. There's nothing and, and, wrong with that. And that completely maps over to both sides, performance-based or just regular consulting-based. Right. You look at SEO as a project and say, look, this project is going to cost you on a one-year contract, $5,000 a month, it's going to cost you $60,000, and I'm just offering you this payment plan. If you'd rather give me sixty grand right now... Then or you can do that, and month, it'll be done... It'll pr- exactly. And that's, that's typically totally the way I, I, I frame it. It's like, you know, basically you're going to pay me X amount of percentage for the course of three years for work that I'm going to do in six months. And, once, and so that leads into the next thing is that you have to have a sunset date on your contract. It's unrealistic to tell somebody that, hey, you're going to save them this money up front, but they're going to pay you for life. So at some point, you really do have to hand the traffic back over and let them walk away with it. Like I said, two to three years is a pretty reasonable amount of time. And what you'll find is funded companies that have the cash will be very open to doing that. Their, their attitude is, I have no problem paying you three times what you would have made two years if you performed. Four times. They don't even care. And plus, since they can see the light at the end of the tunnel, you don't run into that pissy merchant thing. You know, all merchants start their affiliate programs, and then they start cutting these checks to the crackheads that are huge. And the next thing, what do they want to do? They want to find a way to trim down their dependency yeah. on their affiliate network. They, they want to cut commissions. They want to put in different redirects on, on the URLs, you know, all right. kinds of stuff, because they're going, wow, we're just giving away too much money. If, if the client knows that at some point down the road his income is going to jump even more because you're going to be phased out, uh, they're much cooler about writing the check. And number two, a lot of times they keep you around anyway. Yeah. Well, and, and they know that, you're, that you are far more incentivized under this program than to just get them satisfactory results and then sit back, write out the rest of your contract. Everybody's kind of happy and whatever, but under a performance-based deal, the better you do, the better everybody does, and if they're paying you three and four and five times what your contract would have been, they're making three and four and five times what they would have made otherwise, so everybody's buying new cars. And if something hiccups and they get dropped, I'm not going to be sitting there saying, well, Google's updating. It'll be six months before we can do anything. Yeah. You're going to bust your ass to figure I'm out why. I'm going to do my best to chase somebody down and find out what the hell is wrong and get it fixed. Absolutely. Because my gravy train has ended. Um, that leads into, you know, but you still need to have, in other words, with these contracts, typically the way we do them is there's a certain level of performance that has to be met in the first year. That can be based on... All this stuff is negotiable, but overall visibility, you know, we do visibility scoring stuff. We can say, hey, right now, based on this set of keywords, you're the 20th most visible website across search engines. And in 12 months, if we don't have you moved up five spots, then you can get out of the contract early. So that's another key thing. Because the other thing, if, you, if somebody's locked into a long-term deal that's rev share, but you're not really performing very well, you put them in a position of not being able to hire somebody else, and they're really not gaining anything. So it can't. it's got to be performance in increments. So typically you say, hey, here's the 
first six months is going to be rebuilding your site or doing all that kind of stuff. And then if we hit this certain number at the end of 12 months, then the contract's going to automatically renew. In other words, we have to earn our keep in the first chunk. If we do that, then it automatically extends and there's no way out and you're going to pay us on the extent of it. If we don't hit those numbers, one of two things that happen. We could renegotiate or you could just say, hey, it's not working and leave at that point. And so you got to be somewhat realistic of what those early numbers are. And you have to make sure that you put a clause in there that stipulates that if you don't make the numbers due to their inaction that you can you document, then it renews anyway. Yeah. You can't leave it open to where they can stall their way out of the extra two years. In other words, you develop the plan. They say, hey, if we sit on this and don't implement it till month 13, we can cut him loose, and then it's probably going to work, and we're going to make all that money and not pay anybody. Well, and you run into that on both sides once again. That's very common on both sides, especially in in, in today's internet business world. I mean, I can't tell you how many times we send something over and they go, "Yeah, we uh, we'd love to implement that this month, but we don't have any tech resources this month or next right. month or whatever." And uh, you know, and that's unfortunate. But hey, you still got to pay me for that. Right. See, because in a normal contract, you're going to get paid every month while they sit there and drag the feet. So in a performance-based thing, what you end up saying is, that's fine. Um, I'm going to document, you know, here's what I gave you, here's what didn't get implemented. And if we get to month 12 and we haven't met our numbers because of those delays, the contract renews anyway. And, you know, if you want, say it renews for a year even, uh, it renews for the extended time plus the amount of time they wasted. You can tack on time to the contract. So they end up not, you know, cheating you out of time. And, um, you know, those are those are some of the keys. And it can be, you can be based on any kind of metric. Like you run into clients that have, okay, half half our stuff is sold over the phone, the other half is sold over the web. All right, well, let's put some tracking on your site for 30 days and see how many, what your average web sales are. Just from the website. I don't care about the phone. Now I can make my rev number based on that even if that only represents a portion of all their sales, it just becomes a higher portion. If it's 50% and I really wanted 10% of all sales, then I'm going to say I want 20% of everything sold on the web. And th- this is really the, this is, this can be a real hard contract to put together because there's just so many different ways to slice the numbers and, and the, the sheer amount of research that you need to go through in order to even come up with what is a real number and then go back to them and, and get that online sales data with you know the vast majority of people not tracking that stuff correctly and and having you know how do how do you space that if if they if their sales have been growing every single month but just not very much then you have to potentially come up with some running average or some kind of graduated yeah you know, I mean you growth can do it a couple curve. ways you can say okay um, here is because that's the whole thing too the other thing is you obviously aren't gonna you can't go in there and try to take credit for something you didn't do. So the hardest part really is establishing that baseline. If you're averaging 5000 a month in sales, then I'm only going to get paid on a percentage of what I do above that. So you got to work out, you know, how that's going to be averaged out. Is it based on one month? You know, there's, there can be seasonal issues. There definitely can be some stumbling blocks, and that kind of leads into the fact that not every kind of client is the right match. You, what you'll learn is there's certain products and certain things that... Um, are doable, and other uh, ones that just don't fit to this model. And you'll you'll probably take on some ones that you don't make you any money. 
initially. But if you open up and start out and say, hey, a certain percentage of my workload is I'm going to dedicate to performance-based stuff, over time what you'll find is you'll get better at it. And, you know, you can get to the point where uh, it becomes really cool because you can end up at some point having a lot of clients that are all in that sit-back-and-make-you-money phase. It's a good phase. And then you're, you have a lot more freedom to travel or hang out with your family or do, you know, or take that money and build your own stuff or, you know, just keep looking for new deals. Yeah, there's there's all kinds of stuff. And it, at the end of the day, what it, you're going to make mistakes, but there's, you know, there's a lot of resources out there. And, uh, you know, I'm just going to kind of wrap up a little bit here because, I mean, this is kind of our first blazing overtime show, and there's there's a lot of shows on on the network that uh, yeah we get to do it every now and then that that do that. So we're we're gonna we're gonna wrap over. I, I actually especially uh, when we stayed on topic for almost the whole show. <laughs> there you go. It doesn't happen often. But what what I was gonna say was, you know, there's there's a lot of resources out there, and and you know, uh, Greg, you you've gone through a lot more of this stuff than I have. I've been through a little bit of it, and uh, y'all. Feel free to come by the Rockstars blog and post your questions, and we'll we'd be happy to swing by every month or two and circle them up <laughs> and answer what we can. Yeah, exactly. But uh, I guess uh, we should probably wrap it up here and uh, tell you what I'm going to head over to the Rockstars blog and post up uh, a guest request for next week, and we'll see if we can't wrap somebody in and have uh, you know a nicer voice than us for next week. Cool. All right, everybody, take care. Thanks for tuning in. Radio.fm. Tracking on your site for 30 days and see how many, what your average web sales are. Just from the website. I don't care about the phone. Now I can make my rev number based on that. Even if that only... Tracking on your site for 30 days and see how many, what your average web sales are. Just from the website. I don't care about the phone. Now I can make my rev number based on that. Even if that only wrecking on your site for 30 days and see how many, what your average web sales are. Just from the website. I don't care about the phone. Now I can make my rev number based on that. Even if that only wrecking on your site for 30 days and see how many, what your average web sales are. Just from the website. I don't care about the phone. Now I can make my rev number based on that. Even if that only wrecking on your site for 30 days and see how many, what your average web sales are. Just from the website, I don't care about the phone. Now I can make my rev number based on that. Even if that only wrecking on your site for 30 days and see how many, what your average web sales are. Just from the website, I don't care about the phone. Now I can make my rev number based on that. Even if that only wrecking on your site for 30 days and see how many, what your average web sales are. Just from the website, I don't care about the phone. Now I can make my rev number based on that. Even if that only wrecking on your site for 30 days and see how many, what your average web sales are. Just from the website, I don't care about the phone. Now I can make my rev number based on that. 
even if that only tracking on your site for 30 days and see how many what your average web sales are just from the website I don't care about the phone now I can make my rev number based on that even if that only tracking on your site for 30 days and see how many what your average web sales are just from the website I don't care about the phone now I can make my rev number based on that even if that only tracking on your site for 30 days and see how many what your average web sales are just from the website I don't care about the phone now I can make my rev number based on that even if that only tracking on your site for 30 days and see how many what your average web sales are just from the website I don't care about the phone now I can make my rev number based on that even if that only tracking on your site for 30 days and see how many what your average web sales are just from the website I don't care about the phone now I can make my rev number based on that even if that only tracking on your site for 30 days and see how many what your average web sales are just from the website I don't care about the phone now I can make my rev number based on that even if that only tracking on your site for 30 days and see how many what your average web sales are just from the website I don't care about the phone now I can make my rev number based on that even if that only tracking on your site for 30 days and see how many what your average web sales are just from the website I don't care about the phone now I can make my rev number based on that even if that only tracking on your site for 30 days and see how many what your average web sales are just from the website I don't care about the phone now I can make my rev number based on that even if that only tracking on your site for 30 days and see how many what your average web sales are just from the website I don't care about the phone now I can make my rev number based on that even if that only tracking on your site for 30 days and see how many what your average web sales are just from the website I don't care about the phone now I can make my rev number based on that even if that only tracking on your site for 30 days and see how many what your average web sales are just from the website I don't care about the phone now I can make my rev number based on that even if that only tracking on your site for 30 days and see how many what your average web sales are just from the website I don't care about the phone now I can make my rev number based on that even if that only 